Greetings, fellow Betty lovers. This is Tori Rodriguez, co-host of the official Betty Page podcast, here with a very special guest today. Jack Farragasso is a 93-year-old native New Yorker and lifelong artist who was one of the first photographers to work with Betty in her early pinup years. We're thrilled to have the rare opportunity to interview someone who actually photographed Betty. You'll learn a lot more about Jack shortly, but I just want to give you a quick glimpse of some of the cool stuff you're in for today. In our interview, Jack describes what it was like when he went to Betty's New York City apartment to shoot nude photos of her in 1952. And on that note, he also gives us some tips on how to photograph a nude model. Jack mentions that Cass Carr was at Betty's apartment the day of that photo shoot. Now, Betty fans may know that Carr was a Harlem-based band leader and photographer who was one of the key organizers of the camera clubs at that time. And he was really pivotal in Betty's modeling career. If you saw the documentary Betty Page Reveals All, you may recall that Cass Carr organized that outdoor photo shoot on a farm where Betty was arrested for indecent exposure. But she refused to plead guilty and made such a fuss in court that the charge was reduced to disorderly conduct. Without further ado, let's meet Jack Farragasso. Hello, hello, Betty Babes and Bows. This is Tori Rodriguez, co-host of the official Betty Page podcast. My co-host, Mark Morey, is on vacation right now, so we'll miss him today, but he'll be back next round. Uh, today, though, I'm thrilled to have uh, a very special guest um, and an important figure in the Betty um, universe and in Betty history, and that is the legendary artist, Jack Farragasso. Hey, Jack. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to have you and a lot of Betty fans were really excited to hear that this interview was going to be taking place. And so they have some questions for you and I, as you know, as well as the questions that I have for you. And so we'll just uh, launch into those. Well, I can answer what I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can only you can only go with what you know, right? right. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to um, actually just to introduce um, for those who don't know or to refresh those who do, I'm going to just um, give a, a brief bio that um, this is from uh, the um, Asylum Publications website. Um, and I know they, they sell a lot of your, your art. Um, and we'll talk again at the end about the places that people can, can view your work and buy your work. Um, and keep up with you. But um, the little bio that was written by um, Christopher Rivoli um, says, Jack Farragasso is an artist and um, an instructor who's lived in Manhattan for over 60 years and taught at the Art Students League of New York um, at, the, at the time this bio was written for over 48 years. Um, teaching and creating art from morning to night has allowed him to gain the title of Instructor Emeritus. Uh, he has written the Student's Guide to Painting, um, the, uh, another book, Mastering Drawing, uh, I'm sorry, Mastering Drawing, The Human Figure from Life, Memory, Imagination. And then, of course, um, the one that's relevant to Betty is the early photographs of Betty Page, which tells the story of uh, when Jack was a young artist who was given the opportunity to photograph Betty Page, who, of course, we, as we know, later became one of the most popular pinup girls ever. Um, so Jack, do, do you, so I, I read that you actually hired Betty for, for a, this photo shoot. Is that, is that correct? What did we say again? I read that you, you hired Betty for, for the photo shoot when you were an art student. Yeah, actually there were three of us. We were all in the same class. Oh, cool. And, um, we, we had 
they have to go a little backwards. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't discuss it on a straight line. Um, the man that was actually the most responsible for it was uh, Richard Colmar, and um, he's. Uh, you probably don't know about him now, but he was very active in the theater and the radio. And um, uh, he was always in, involved in uh, different projects. He was very, very energetic. He needed, always had something to do. <laughs> so um, he, he came to the Art Students League one, one day uh, to check it out. And um, he he liked it there, and he enrolled, but he didn't stay long because he obviously had no talent or ability. <laughs> but <laughs> but while he was there, he, he saw all these artists painting all these pictures, and at, at that time he he said like there was no place for, for the artists to sell, sell these things. And um, he, so he uh, started this project. He opened opened up a little gallery where he was going to sell. Well, the students would sell their paintings in this little little gallery, hmm. and um, which is called a little studio. And um, so now we have to go a little backwards again, because. <laughs> um, the members in my class, it was a pretty big class, and one of them was uh, was Bob Lynch. <laughs> he, he was a veteran too, but he was a little older than most of us. Hmm. He was closer in age to Colmar, and uh, very, very interesting person, and um, Omar told Lynch to pick six of the good students, which I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And um, these students would make paintings for his gallery. So you know, to do that, he, he rented a loft on 46th Street, West 46th Street. And um, it was really a disaster to the loft. And since he was a decorator and he had to decorate his card and knew all these theatrical people, mm -hmm. he redid the place amazingly. It's quite beautiful, <laughs> green shaggy rugs and <laughs> lavender burlap walls. And, oh. and um, since he and his wife used to go to Europe every year, he would always bring back things from the flea markets in Paris. So that's what he decorated the place with. Very cool. He divided the place into two. One one front part and one back part. So the back part is where we made the paintings for the gallery. And the front part was his I don't know what you would call it <laughs> his <laughs> office and um, business then, and, um, but we didn't paint in that section. We painted it in the back section, hmm. and 
this was on 46th Street, I think. And um, Bob Lynch supervised everything. And he he stayed there all the time. He slept on a cot <laughs> behind these antique silver mirrors. And, wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, kept kept things from getting out of hand. Anyhow. Yeah. Um. So, so we did the paintings. Uh, I did a lot of Venetian scenes and Parisian scenes and um, a couple of still lives. And, and then Colmar decided he needed some nudes for, for his gallery because he didn't have any nudes there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where he got the phone number, but he gave his phone number to Bob Lynch and he said, call this, this model up and make an appointment for a photo shoot for us. So I was there when Bob Lynch called Betty. Wow. I didn't know. Actually, at that point, I, I never heard of Betty Page. I didn't mm-hmm. know about her. I didn't know anything about camera cars, anything. But she picked up the phone right off. Which is, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it wouldn't do today, you know. Yeah, and, it's uh, wild to imagine calling Betty Page and <laughs> having her answer. Yeah, she, she picks it up right away. And so, Bob Lynch said he had wanted to make this appointment for this photo shoot for, for the three of us at that time. And, um, I don't know if I should uh, say this, but. <laughs> She said, uh, well, you called me at the right time because my nipples are up. (laughs) (laughs) Which I didn't even know what that meant. (laughs) And what did you you later find out that it meant? Because I'm I'm not sure that I know. I never never did. (laughs) I never did. That's so funny because um, it, the first thing it made me think of was I had read before where Betty was kind of annoyed um, at one one photo shoot with with Bunny Yeager. I think it was that that famous Christmas shoot for the Playboy magazine. Yeah. Um, and she Betty had mentioned how she was kind of aggravated that the, her her breasts weren't where she wanted them to be that day. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, so, yeah, obviously they changed size and shape I guess right right probably I guess maybe to, depending on her her cycle or whatever but that's funny that that was uh, that came up in that <laughs> in your situation too so we made the appointment Robridge made the appointment for us and um it's funny because she was in an appointment right across the way from where we had the uh comas Den, whatever you want to call it, where we did paintings. It was on 46th Street also. But it was across, across the way from our building. And what was it? I'm sorry, what was it that was across the way? Uh, where she, she evidently had an apartment in a building across oh, okay. on 46th Street. Got it. It's, uh, at that time, uh, 
I had no knowledge of uh, where she was being photographed. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I assumed that the apartment she was living in was where she was doing, doing the photographing and until, of course, she, she got into different things. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we made the appointment and um, I remember it was toward the evening and three of us loaded now with our cameras and lights and light meters and all kinds of things. <laughs> we went over there and now I, my memory at this point, I'm not, not so sure I don't, because I don't understand why she was in this building, which was so close to us. Mm. I, I, I thought she'd be in a some kind of big studio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't that case. Cause she walked up the stairs, knocked on the door, and she opened the door. <laughs> and that so that what was that? So that was her. Was that her apartment, or just some other place? Uh, I assume she was living there. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Uh, and that's where she probably started mm-hmm. being photographed. Because mm. it was a dark place. Uh, had hardly no furniture, just a drape and a chair. And, very, mm-hmm. and uh, she opened the door and she was there in a black negligee and they greeted us. We went in. Now, at this point, uh, my, I have notes that said that we paid her. Two dollars each for, for, for the photo shoot. Wow! And we gave her the money when we, we came in. Then I have other notes which said we paid her the two dollars after we finished shooting. Ah, okay. Uh, I don't know. If so half up, half up front, and half at the end, right? One. So half up front and half at the end. No. Uh, uh, oh, either one or the other. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, she, we gave her the money, <laughs> three of us, two dollars each. Uh, and she made six dollars that night. And uh, when you consider her estate is worth over millions, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's really it's so pathetic. Wow. Oh my gosh. And was she, so was she that she was just there by herself as far as you knew? No, I was going to get to that. I, uh, I was surprised that there was a man there. Ah. He was a dark skinned man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I later found out that his name was Cast. Cast. Ah, oh, yeah. And he, he, he was kind of a, a manager or, or took care of the studio. I don't know what mm-hmm. it, what the deal was. Anyhow, we um, set up our equipment and started shooting away. And we initially we suggest the pose to her. And um, she was, by the way, she was very, very friendly and nice. And she's, she would suggest a variation of the pose. Do you like it this way? Do you like it that way? Mm, mm-hmm. 
and um, but in my case, I was interested in getting good good photographs that I could make paintings for um, either a gallery or a magazine covers. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in just taking photographs to take photographs. Right. Which is what most people did when they went there. They just <laughs> wanted mm-hmm. to photograph a nude model. You know? So I was very fussy on the angle of the lighting, the amount of the lighting. Um, if I didn't like the pose, you know, it would change it. So I, I spent more time than the other fellows in getting just what I wanted. Which paid off eventually because, um, you know, I, I made a made a book with the photographs. And I have that book and I love it. Yeah. It's full, full of beautiful photographs and, and some of your other, you know, your Betty inspired art. Yeah, thank you. And um, it, it's uh, amazing that those shots were taken in 1952 or 51 somewhere. Gosh. And um, Paul Burke, who's at this uh, binary publishing company. Mm-hmm. It, uh, he published the book because uh, I was afraid to, to uh, get this out in the public because I heard that she has people like, if they, if they found her, you were selling pictures of her, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they want to get paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And the funny thing is, uh, I took the shots. I paid her. I developed the shots. Right. And yet somebody else comes along and charges me a license fee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> but that, that kept me a long time before uh, getting a book made and selling to prints. Anyhow, um, when we, when everybody got their shots, and we packed up and started leaving uh, this fellow Cass. He said he was very impressed by us. He's very impressed. Oh. <laughs> he said, you know, a lot of people come here with no film on their camera. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yeah, it'd be interesting to know just how many. Well, I wonder if it was like <laughs> half or more, probably, just to, just to gawk at Betty, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's interesting. So you was so you weren't necessarily, you weren't really a part of, like, the, the camera clubs that we hear about from no, those days. No, I, I didn't even know they existed. So that was sort of your first kind of intro into that world, huh? Yeah, because uh, because Coma wanted paintings for his gallery, and and not only that, the art world changed completely. Everything turned to modern art, and the the realistic painting uh, galleries couldn't sell them. All this, you know, with painting, there was no market for them. Mm. So the only place we could could have done is to illustration, uh, especially with these paperback novels. 
Okay. Because they always had realistic uh, images on them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I made two or three paintings of Betty Page that wound up on the paperback covers. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are really cool. Yeah, so, uh, and so I stayed in the illustration part. Uh, it's funny because the, <laughs> the people who stayed for photographing things became very famous photographers making a lot of money. They, were, they wound up making more money than illustrators. Mm. Some of them. Yeah. But I, I just, I never respect, respected photo, photographers as being great artists, with which they are considered now. I, I, I wanted to be like Da Vinci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's how I started doing these uh, covers. Mm-hmm. And especially science fiction, because I was interested in that. At, um, it's, uh, it took a long time to get recognized, really. But in the meantime, these uh, Paul Burke, he'd uh, been selling Betty Page books and prints. He made prints. Mm -hmm. so people could buy prints from my photographs. Uh, books yeah and that's on is that is that through and like I said we'll you know we'll definitely mention again later but since we're on the topic is that can people find those on the asylumpublications.com website yeah actually he um, he had a uh, company I guess called the binary publications mm -hmm. um, which he printed uh, the Betty Page book. Okay. And he came up with the silent publications one. Uh, he got some weird deal with Coca-Cola. I don't know what it was, but anyhow. <laughs> and he, he seemed to be successful with selling uh, images of monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of resented that because um, I didn't want my work associated with, with that type of stuff. But it's, it's out there. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? What, like, what, why, why was that? Like, why, why didn't you want to have your work associated with that? And, um, but it's funny. You know, he sold us a uh, big prince colorized prints, uh, black and white prints, and the Betty Page book. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they're the most things that he sells, no matter what he does. Everybody buys the Betty Page stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is we, we, can't, we can't get enough Betty, no matter how much time passes. And the, and the thing is, she's, she's dead and gone. Uh-huh. A long time, and um, yet people uh, still prefer that image. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, that's one of the fascinating things about her is there's some timeless quality or 
you know, mm-hmm. a, a range of timeless qualities that keep people really interested in Betty. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. What? It, it gets this, this timelessness, you know, like, um, like my photographs in 52, they don't look much different than if you took them today. I, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. If, if, you, if you had Betty Page today, which I doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's it's I know I was thinking about how it's it's wild that you know that was I mean we're really talking about just about seventy years ago and yeah. there the really is like you said I mean about Betty in general and uh, your photos of Betty just really do have this this timeless quality they're not they don't seem dated they're just very like right now <laughs> yeah so um, I sort of lost track of her after. Uh, you know, after we took shots of her, and mm-hmm. I, I, I developed it. I developed the film. <laughs> I, I made the prints. Mm-hmm. It's a, my instructor taught us photography because uh, we had no photography because we had to photograph models um, for the illustrations. Mm-hmm. So um, I really. It's quite a good photographer to begin with. So yeah, clearly. And um, but I'm still I still make drawings and and I want to do more paintings of her. Oh, that would be incredible. But there's so many, you know, at this stage of my life, I have like 200 paintings. Wow. <laughs> so, and, oh my gosh! I would love to see those sometime. Yeah, we'll have to get a virtual a virtual tour of those somehow. Right. So uh, now, did did you um how you how did you I guess conceptualize? So you said you were I mean you were clearly a, a great photographer, and it may be hard to answer this question, but how with with in that that photo shoot with Betty. Did you already have in mind, like, sort of some of the concepts, some of the shots that you wanted to get, or were that was, did those, were those inspired by Betty once you got there and met well, her and all that stuff? I had a general idea. Mm-hmm. See, the difference between when I did the photographs and other people who did the photographs is uh, I had knowledge of uh, planes and forms and lighting mm-hmm. that others didn't have. So when I, I put the light on the model, I, I made it go a certain place to um, uh, show the form better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's why the photographs came out so good because yeah. Um, I was very specific where the lighting had to be. Mm-hmm. And the um, pose had to be like, you know, and I like some of the props that you used as well, like the mirror. I like those touches. Uh, what was that? I said I like some of the props that you used as well. Like I'm thinking of like a particular shot where there's a mirror. Yeah. Um, and her apartment was very sparsely decorated, you know, you had to use what was there, yeah. And then, 
but it's funny. Coma uh, closes gallery. Uh, we we went into illustration strictly, and um, Betty Page faded into the distance. Mm-hmm. Lost track of her. Every so often, somebody would come up with something about Betty Page, and um, which I never knew about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems that she had really terrible existence. And I guess after fifty-five, and um, and she had mental problems, mm-hmm. all kinds of problems, which I never knew about. Yeah. So it's when just, did you find out about her again and what she was up to? Or when did you hear about her again? Well, I really don't know. It just, um, it, I just, I wasn't in school. I know, I know that. It was pretty late. And because uh, I never conceived of her having any problems. Because mm-hmm. all I know like especially with Bonnie Yeager photographing her all the time, and uh, I, I thought she'd be slow photographing. Being mm-hmm. photographed. I didn't realize that she had mental problems. And, yeah, uh, I, I heard all kinds of rumors, heard, and it, but I, I could never check them out. I heard she tried to uh, kill her roommate. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. Maybe you heard about it. I never, I never knew about that. Yeah, there were there were um, a couple of incidents then, and we've actually talked about just telling saying this for the audience now. But we've actually talked about uh, that on earlier um, episodes of the podcast. Is you know some of those those legal troubles that Betty had once she started experiencing mental illness, and yeah, she had a, a, a couple several decades of uh, you know really some really hard times and. Yeah, and you figure a person is so physically beautiful that uh, they don't have such problems, <laughs> right? They're de- you're you're right. We do tend to, I think, we, we there yeah. tends to be this myth that beautiful people yeah. don't have the problems that the rest of us do. <laughs> I guess we treat them like goddesses or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Definitely, we don't necessarily recognize they are you know don't see them as necessarily as as human as as everyone else so it is sometimes <laughs> surprising to to find out that um that, that they struggle like like everyone else yeah yeah so. did you um did so so i it sounds like betty probably didn't um see the photos that you took of her i mean as far as you know like once you had them developed and it wasn't like you you know no she didn't because mm-hmm. I, I just took the role back to my studio and I developed it and uh, washed all, made sure I washed those films quite a bit. Mm. It, it's, it's amazing. The, the negatives I have is still good. It's oh my gosh. It's incredible. Yeah. People want to buy them. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, I took, I, I, I knew that. Yeah, her pictures would be worth money, and the negatives would be worth money. So I took very good care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. So those are well well preserved. That's great. Yeah, and um, 
when I upset that, that I did, well, like, a roll of film was 36, yeah, 36 photographs on a roll. So, mm-hmm. this um, fellow I ran across, this kind of an agent, he, I don't know how he knew uh, this, uh, I think he was uh, some official in Paris, and he was a fan of Betty Page. <laughs> they're all over the world aren't they sold him sold him a whole set of pretty page photographs that I did oh wow okay yeah so uh, they're everywhere I mean yeah yeah are there are there ones that we haven't seen what's that are there are there photo, are, are there any photos of Betty that you took that you haven't you haven't published yet um, or are they are they no, no, because uh, that was the only photo shoot I did. Shoot I did with her. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it's uh, thirty-six pictures in a row, and uh, I, I did them all. Mm-hmm. So I, I never photographed her again. I, I never even knew there was a camera club. I just, I never... Yeah. <laughs> Were you, so what was it like to, I mean, what, what was the thinking about, you know, like nude photography at that time? Was, was it, was it sort of a, a taboo thing or was it less so because you were an artist? Well, you, you could have got, you could have gotten arrested for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a uh, Keith Alpha committee or something. Like yeah. Thing in the Congress. And, uh, I think they may have arrested some for that. I'm not sure, but it was a big battle about it. Were you nervous? Was I worried? Well, yeah. Were you nervous about taking nude photographs at that time? No, because uh, I was studying at the League. So all we did was paint nudes at the League. Mm-hmm. You know? All, all, all sizes, shapes, and colors. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and somehow the law didn't bother you for painting it at the art school. But okay. When, when, when you wanted printed it, you know, when it was printed, then they would uh, cause all kinds of trouble. Yeah, because then there was a thing about like sending nude photos through the mail and yeah. all that stuff. Even now, uh, Burke can't sell uh, the magazine to the certain chain outlets, you know. Oh. Yeah. Because Wow, censorship is alive and well. But she's nude in there. So. Isn't that silly in this day and age, especially? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even consider what's on t- television yeah yeah. (laughs) and online (laughs) um so i know um so some fans had some questions about like just like curious about like when you did the photo shoot with betty were there like did she like did she request any music to be played or like any details like that like about the kind of the setting no she wasn't uh I know years later, illustrators, when they use the model, they, they always put music on for the model. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but not in that shoot. And then you have a big fan blowing the air. Mm-hmm. But, uh, not, not with Betty. She, she, did she, did Betty, you know, you said she was like really friendly. 
um, which is, you know, of course, is uh, it aligns with everything we know about her and have, he- have heard about her from others, too. But did she did you have any any conversation with her? And one fan wanted to know, did she mention any interest in the arts or anything like that? No, no. And it, it, I know it's disappointing, but we, we didn't have much conversations. Mm-hmm. Just a professional we, yeah, we just, interaction. And it's the first time, you know, we worked together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a person like 28 years, she worked so, many, so much with her, that naturally they would have conversations. Right. But this was only one single, one single shot, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, she, she was really very, very friendly and very nice. Mm-hmm. Very cooperative. And, that's about all I could say. But. Yeah. Did you remember, like, because I know, like, you know, looking at her photos, uh, it's just it, it, the ones that you took and, you know, photos by others of Betty are, you know, there's, it's just like she, her beauty just kind of blows you away. <laughs> and she, there's just this sort of like really this, this light about her. She's just very radiant. Um, I, and I wonder if, did that, does that come across in person too? Like, when you, do you remember? Like when you met her or when you were there, you know, working with her, was it like, wow, this is a really special lady? No, what came across was that she was so completely at ease with her nudity. Yeah. She had, it's amazing, there wasn't the slightest bit of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, but she's. Mm Completely at ease. She wasn't. She wasn't shy about it, to say the least. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So, do you? Um, is there a particular one of the photos that you took of her? Do you have a favorite by chance, or like one that is you know one of your favorites, or anything like that? Well, oddly enough, the uh, the favorite one <laughs> I, I like is, is the one I took of her face, front front face. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought the expression on it kind of exemplified her. Ah, well now, as soon as we get off of this call, I'm going to have to go <laughs> go look through your book and find that one. Yeah. Let me say again? I said, as soon as we get off of this, uh, off of this call, I'm going to have to go look through your book and find that photograph <laughs> to see which one you're talking about. I, I think it's right in front of the uh, book, really. But uh, I, I intended to uh, have salon prints made. Um, but uh, and for the and for the for the un for the unaware like myself, what is a salon print? What was that? I said for the unaware like myself, what is a salon print? Oh. Uh, Sign Town is, a, is a, a very expensively produced photograph. Mm. Usually they're large and um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're quite perfect. Yeah. And um, Are you still thinking of doing that? Well, I. I been trying to get Mr. Burke to do that, but mm-hmm. uh, 
most people who are so involved with doing things commercially, making things, you know, making money, doing things commercially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of print, you know, you'd have to have a good, a good doctor person to make them. To be yeah. I, I could do it, but it's beyond me now. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to have like a whole book, at least 30 of them, but there was salon prints, like eight, eight by eight, 11, with a nice cover on. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't to be. So. Well, you know. It's never too late. <laughs> oh, no, but in the future, you know, I got offers. Some man, he wants to buy my negatives, but I, I, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't think of enough money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't sell them anyhow. But um, it just didn't work out. It just, I, I for the two dollars I gave her, I mean, I think yeah, <laughs> I got my money's worth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that's a good return on investment <laughs> for sure. Um, it's just okay. I had to wait fifty years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're you're very patient, Jack. <laughs> um, a couple of other just um, final questions about the shoot because I wanted to make sure I covered all the the fans' questions. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So um, one, uh, okay, another question was, was, and this is from Sarah Torpino. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to mention that the, the question about whether Betty listened to music earlier was from Cover Price Comics. I just wanted to name check them real quick. But anyway, this, this other question is, was there anything Betty would not do in a photo when you were working with her? Like, was there anything like, I'm not going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> Who knows? I never. I don't think any of us uh, thought that way. That right. We're interested in, in getting an artistic photograph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I've and known, I've known other photographers that uh, they they want horrible things from the model. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so y'all y'all kept it strictly professional, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so, and you, you mentioned a little bit about how she would sort of suggest or, or kind of like offer a different variation on the pose and that sort of thing. Um, did, did you, you may have said this and I didn't catch it. Did you suggest poses or how did y'all collaborate? It was, it really a collaborative process about coming up with the poses and like the expressions and that sort of thing? Well, we, we both worked at, you know, Mm-hmm. But um, one good thing about her is like it's like this uh, other this male model we used to Steve Holland. He, he was on every paperback cover. Mm. Great. I don't know about him. Oh yeah, he's really great. But he was so great because you told him what you wanted in the pose, and he would take the pose and he would tell you. What was wrong with it? Oh wow! He would mentally put himself in your position, looking at, at the pose, ah. and 
and he, he would correct it. So. Wow. So that's sort of Betty's counter male counterpart <laughs> at the time in terms of having that gift for posing. So she was the same way. Uh, she didn't feel uh, it, it was right. She would suggest uh, this different, different movement or, you mm. know, or put the hands this way. Yeah. So, Interesting. And then the facial expression. I know there's like a good range of facial expressions in um, the photos that you took of her. Was that that sort of the same? Did that kind of go with the general posing? Like she yes. just. I didn't suggest any facial expressions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, had, she had enough of good facial expressions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That just kind of came naturally. Yeah. Um, but I. I wish I knew more about her upbringing because I know she came from a family of six and like I mm-hmm. never heard anything about her family. Like, like, what was she like when she was a teenager? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of things, you know, um, Mark Morey, my co-host for this podcast, he did the documentary Betty Page Reveals All. Um, and that, I don't know if you've seen that, but that, if you haven't, we'll, we'll definitely get you a copy that has a really great, um, back, you know, a lot of information about Betty's childhood and her, her whole life. And it's narrated by Betty in her later years. And it's a great documentary. Um, and then I wrote a book called Betty Page, the lost years that also kind of delves into uh, a lot of her, her family life and background and also, you know, kind of what what she was into um, in her later years, which are referred to as her lost years or her missing years. So I'll get, I'll, I'll make sure you get a copy of that book as well. Right. Jack. I appreciate it really. Yeah. I, I always wondered like, how does such a person become <laughs> what they are? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen to everybody. <laughs> and, um, right. It's almost like a, uh, it's, it's like uh, some psychic thing picking her to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. a thing, really. Yeah, it's really, like, it's an alchemy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's so many, so many women out there that want to be models, and uh, mm-hmm. they could be pretty and have good figures, but none of them ever succeeded like a Betty Page. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's like that, just kind of that eternal question that a lot of Betty fans are always trying to figure out, like, what is it about Betty? You know, we, we, we say that a lot. It's just kind of like something you can never fully put your finger on, and I think that's part of what keeps us interested is that mystery, you know? Yeah. But it, um, is, it is strange that um, when you figure so many, so many people modeling, you know, and Yet, how many of them ever achieve cult status? Mm-hmm. I know, I know. It's it's interesting to think about what kind of sets apart the ones who make it from the ones who don't. And <laughs> I know it's a combination of factors that we obviously we can never fully grasp. Well, some smart people they uh, they trademark her name. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Everybody has to pay for anything. 
got to do with Betty Page. Yeah, I have a, um, actually, I have a company, Betty Page Fitness, and I, so I have a, a license to use her image for that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's nice, though, because then, obviously, they, they protect her image to an extent where it's, you know, making sure that it's not used in any negative way, so to speak, yeah. or... Um, that sort of thing. People that want to exploit it for, you know, not <laughs> not pure reasons and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a benefit to it. But I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, I wish uh, it would have been in more photo shoots with her. But the thing is, um, I was an artist, and uh, mm-hmm. we, we had the uh, artist problems to, do, to take care of. Right. Right. No, I think it's really cool. I like. I think it's really actually kind of adds kind of a special touch to your work with her that it was really this it was contained in this one photo shoot with this beautiful range of of photos um and it's so cool that it's her it was you know at the beginning of her pinup modeling career yeah and i don't know how tacoma got her phone number but (laughs) yeah That's so cool, though. Like I said, I, it's wild to imagine just calling up Betty Page. <laughs> Can you imagine just dialing the phone and <laughs> she picks up? No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that, that would just be amazing. Yeah. Um, and w- this is, you know, I don't know if, if there's any quick tips you can give on this, but one of the questions that um, this is what like Mark Morey, you know, the, my co-host had had suggested a few questions and we covered some of them. But one of his questions I thought was that, that listeners might like to, to hear the answer to if you have one is any any tips on how to take a good nude photo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that would be a whole class or a whole series of classes to, to really answer, but any any quick tips come to mind? Well, you see, the way I was trained, yeah, it's not, not the way ordinarily people look at things. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, put the pose, um, well, first of all, you have to you have to know light and shade. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to use it. You, know, you have to know what what should be emphasized and, and mm-hmm. what should be downplayed. And uh, the pose pose basically has to be kind of rhythmic. Rhythmic. It's a it, it it can't be just choppy and you know it's a it actually some some models they do it naturally you know they, like I found when I used other models male or female um, I told them what I wanted and I said no that's not it do this you know mm-hmm. that's not it do this. Um, some of them, you, you could not get a good pose out of them. Really couldn't. Yeah. Some, they're very natural. It's just, a, it's like a cat or a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever position they're in, it looks quite natural. <laughs> but with people, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. Right. And when you go around telling them 
we'll move that arm this way. Uh, they they do that, but it looks worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see what you mean. There really has to be there's there has to be like really a, a, just a dynamic element throughout. It has to be natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I, makes sense. That's why I think dancers make good models. Yeah. So, so maybe a, a broader kind of thing for people to keep in mind who do want to sort of get better at being the subject of nude photos, sort of like yeah. become become comfortable generally with your movement somehow, whether it's through dance or other expressive movement and that sort of thing, being comfortable with your body and being able to move naturally. Well, among the illustrators that, yeah, associated with them for like 50 years, but um they, we, they always use certain models. They had, they, they had a choice of, you know, dozens of them, but mm-hmm. they, they always use this woman and, and, and Steve Holland. Uh, maybe they use three, three or four different models in, in their whole career mm-hmm. because the ones they used knew exactly how to pose. And, and give you what you wanted. Yeah. Once you try to direct them, you know, forget it. They just stiffen up. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And there's so there's something too about being being too self-aware. I think gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, you have to you have to be completely at ease. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Especially with nudes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that advice. Um, what are you, so in addition to um, uh, your work with Betty, which I'm sure was a, a, certainly a career highlight, what are, what are some of your other um, like favorite moments of your career or just some of your you know, other career highlights as an artist, author, and instructor? Uh. <laughs> I know there's a lot, a it's lot in there, hard. so it's probably hard to pick <laughs> out certain pieces. You know, when you when you're teaching for fifty years, <laughs> you know, yeah, illustrating forty eight years. Um, I don't know. The only the only thing I could say is that this uh, uh, Steve Allen. It's really the best model, male model ever. Mm. And uh, in fact, uh, they just wrote a book on him. Oh, really? I'll yeah. have to check that out for sure. And uh, <laughs> no matter no matter what what pose and uh, what you used them for, it was always good. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as I say, he would he would visualize what you were looking at. Yeah, so that's the, he really had the gift for it, clearly. So, uh, and yeah, he, he always he always got a good job out of him. Really, uh, one time I used I had to use a different model, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, bring me bring me Steve next time. <laughs> he was good looking, but he was so stiff, you know. Uh huh. So sort of that thing you were talking about, he just didn't have the natural. The natural ability to yeah, do it. Yeah, you know, move your arm up and, you know. Uh-huh. And no, that's too much. <laughs> move it back down. 
no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you, and so you mentioned you've been, you know, you, you you've been teaching for like nearly 50 years yeah. um, at the, the art students league of New York. Right. And um, what has that been like? I mean, you know, I know that's kind of a general question, but what has it been like to teach art for that long? I mean, what, what, a, what a labor of love and, and dedication. Well, that, uh, it, it's actually, there's a saying, as we, as we teach, we learn. Mm-hmm. I, I wholly agree with that. And it's true. So, uh, I enjoyed teaching and, uh, I enjoyed drawing and painting all these different models, you know, in different colors, different sizes, different shapes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all interesting, and uh, I got satisfaction in uh, taking absolute beginners and turning them into good artists. Yeah. And uh, because some of the instructors, they would take somebody that's already uh, pretty much along the way and take credit for them. Ah. But me, <laughs> they they gave me people that were hopeless. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you turned them into superstars. <laughs> but actually, I, I I honestly, when I started teaching, I honestly thought some people were hopeless. But if they followed what I was teaching and they they did it, they turned out pretty good. So. And people make a big deal of it. talent. They say, oh, you don't have talent. Mm-hmm. But it's a question of doing what you love and doing a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, I mean, so it really, that it all does come back to to practice and, and by practicing, just really doing it, doing that thing again and again. Yeah. So, um I enjoyed enjoyed teaching because uh, I, I don't know, like I said, intellectually programmed for that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. This came naturally to you, clearly. Yeah, and I'm sure your students have a deep appreciation for you as well. And uh, like when I did science fiction covers, I I had to invent spaceships and uh, astronomical landscapes and. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of other machines. And, yeah, I had to invent all that stuff. Wow. And then I had to paint it to look realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love some of that that work that you're talking about. I, I actually watched um, the little, like, the, and, well, let me just take this moment <laughs> to say, to just express my appreciation for your niece. Denise, who has been really incredibly helpful in, in facilitating this interview. Um, so I definitely want to acknowledge her and her um, role in this. <laughs> but she actually, she sent me a link to a little documentary of sorts about you. And I watched that um, th- this morning and loved that, that science fiction art that you're talking about. It's really incredible. And I want to encourage listeners on this show to to check that out um 
And I know there's, like I said, you can find um, Jack's work and buy his, his prints and, and his books um, through, I think there's a couple of places. I know there's asylumpublications.com and I will um, also list these links on our, our podcast page on Podbean. Um, but there's that. And I know there's also farragassoart.com. I, I, my niece handles all this stuff, and I tell you, I don't, I'm, I'm all over. The, I don't know where I am. I, yeah, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll make sure people people find your work, and um, uh, we'll you know direct direct folks to the places where they can buy your your art and support. Um, I know, like I said, there's asylumpublications.com, farragassoart.com, um, and if there's any other Denise, I know you're there. If you don't, don't, if you don't mind chiming in real quick, is there any other place that we should direct fans to check Jack's art out? Hi, Tori. Um, uh, his art basically, as far as what we're selling, um, original art on, we're really yeah. selling right now on his Facebook page. So if anybody would oh, like a Facebook request, they'll be right on top of everything that we're posting as far as original art for sale. Great. Okay. And is Betty painting, which if they want to take a look at it, um, all they have to do is message us and we'll send them, you know, a, a good photo of it. Um, but as far as his prints, that's on Asylum Publications. His Betty book and prints are on Asylum Publications. And his Mastering Drawing books, Student's Guide to Painting books are on doverpublications.com. And they're also available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Oh, great. Okay. So they Perfect. Can find his books anywhere. His little poetry book that he did um, is also available online through um, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And like yeah. I said, we'll be posting links as well. So we'll make sure okay. that everybody can find all those goodies. Um, and so I guess to, in, in getting ready to close out, just a couple of uh, final questions and just one, um, you know, what are, are, I guess, like, what are you up to these days? And specifically, are you still creating art? It sounds like the answer is yes, but just yeah. want to get your take on that. <laughs> yeah, at nighttime, I, I, I draw. <laughs> and uh, I, I try to only draw interesting faces, you know. Hmm. And then uh, sometimes I get on a kick and uh, I see I see some very bad people. I, I could interpret their faces pretty good now. Um, it's, uh, so do you actually get the where do you where do you get the material for those faces? Like is it just like in the news or on TV or just well, from from the some print print matter you know a newspaper? Ah okay. Um, the photographs I I have are, are professional models you know they're kind of different but these. The world has gotten crazy out there, and I got these a lot of these people with crazy faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to see those too. So <laughs> maybe you can share just a glimpse with me <laughs> sometime. <laughs> I want to see those crazy faces. Denise <laughs> can email them to you. <laughs> yeah, please do. That would be incredible. Thank you. Um, and I have I have one more question to close out, but before I do, I just wanted to mention as well um, that 
the, our podcast is available on Podbean as well as most other podcast apps, including Apple and Google and Spotify. Um, and I am at BettyPageFitness.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Betty Page Fitness. And then you can find Mark Mori and Betty Page Reveals All at um, Betty Page Reveals All on Facebook and Instagram. And um, Jack, so the last question that I have for you, I love a lot of the things you have said. It strikes me how they're really, you know, great lessons and metaphors for life, too. So I love like the takeaway from some. Yep. You cut off. Hello? Oh, no. Is that finished? I don't know what happened. I don't know. Still, still recording. Sorry about that. I think we cut out for a second. Okay. Did, I don't know if you heard the question. Do you want me to repeat it? Yeah. Okay. I was just saying that in, in all of your rich experience in, in life and art, what, um, are there any key lessons or, or pieces of advice that you might share with us? Is repeat that question yes and, as it, in all of the your the rich experience that you've had in 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 art and in life in general um are there any key key lessons that you would share with us yeah the key lesson is if you don't do what you feel you have to do you have a miserable life <laughs> You'll have sickness and trouble. You have to do what you feel you have to do. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's profound. That gave me <laughs> that gave me goosebumps. So I think that'll that'll be encouraging to um, any particularly any any struggling artists out there or just just people who are sort of struggling with trying to, to stay on track with following their dreams? Well, they, people, they give up too easily, you know, and they jump from this to that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if, if you really love what a certain thing, you know, really love doing it, and, and it's, it's a kind of a sacrifice, you know. You can't, yeah. can't have everything. Like, uh, I could very easily make more money by just taking any kind of job, really. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't be 92. I'd probably die at 52 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There really is something about making sure that you're doing what brings you joy and what motivates you yeah. to, sort of, to sort of stay in the game, both <laughs> figuratively and literally, right? In a way... At, at one point there, I felt like I was destined to do a certain thing. That, that, that's a, it's a different story. It's not like a very page story, but the thing yeah. is, um, it, it's at one point that teaching realistic art, people, it was, uh, like I learned from Mr. Riley, my teacher, he was almost completely dead. And I... I kept the link between the uh, the teaching of the French Academy to today. Mm. Uh, eventually, 
the realism thing came back. Took took thirty years, but it came back. Yeah. But I I always felt like because I was one of the few people left that, that was able to uh, write all this stuff down and teach all this stuff. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But no, nobody was teaching it. And then. And, um, so I, I felt like that was a, a, a role of mine. To sort of keep that, that flame alive, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, so patience and persistence in, in following what, what really speaks to you is yeah. the big takeaway. Right. Love that. Yeah. Well, it could have made more money just doing other things, but it, it just wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. You stuck to your guns. <laughs> it paid off. Well, I don't know if it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in some ways, at least, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> A victory in itself. That's well, fine. thank you. I'm getting you. more publicity now than I did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, it's funny that that kind of that's a, a parallel to Betty, really, isn't it? Like she was, I know she was surprised when she started getting lots of attention in her older years uh, for the work that she had done decades earlier. So <laughs> there's a parallel there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Life is funny. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, we we really appreciate you and 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 your, your role in Betty's story and just you and, and your art in general. And I'm so happy that we were able to have you on the show. And I know that Betty's fans will be really excited to hear yeah. all this. Um, Thank you. I, w- I wish I had more information, intimate information. <laughs> oh, no, I think that was, that was, uh, it, it was amazing to hear the, the, all the details that you do recall um, and to just kind of get that, that, that snapshot into like Betty's private world at that time so thank you again and we'll um you know uh, go ahead yeah well thank you so much and again i just want to um express my appreciation for denise um for for facilitating everything and uh story we really appreciate this sure thing and um we'll have those links up on the podcast page and um, stay tuned for the next episode of the Betty page, the official Betty page podcast. And um, my co-host Mark Morey will be back next time. So thanks again, Denise and Jack. And okay. Thank to, you. All, to all you Betty babes and bows for tuning in. And we'll, we'll, you'll, you'll hear me later. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank Bye you. y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye Jack.